And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 282, Redux. Uh, Yeah, this is the second time I've recorded this episode, and the first time being, of course, before the hard drive crash. Uh, I've been talking a lot about it, but not necessarily in public. There's a lot that still needs to be done. Things are not back to normal yet, but I'm going to try to get around everything this week and actually record an episode, and let's see if we can get back on a fairly regular production schedule. Now, the other problem that we're having at this point is that I am getting ready to move. Um, This is actually good news. This is actually the the good part of all of this, is that uh, we've been able to move up my closing on my new new co-op up to uh, the 11th. So uh, as you hear this, I will be actually closing uh, the following day because now I'm not recording a week ahead anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the problem that you have when, when you have a hard drive crash. So, um, yeah, so the production schedule is going to be uneven for the next few weeks. I'm going to uh, be closing this week, of course, and then for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be extremely busy with doing renovations on the new place. And these are not major renovations, but it's going to require enough time that I may be absent. I'm going to try to record a filler, but more like the compilation show that we put out last week. And I'm just trying to get things, um, you know, settled and uh, we'll get things settled in the new place. And then hopefully I'll be able to to go in and redo everything, try to figure out what's going on with the uh, sound Um, I know it sounds okay here, but trust me, it is a real hassle recording this way. I'm not able to use my my, uh, normal, my drops, that kind of thing. So I'm having to go back and and do things in a completely different way, which is really, really cumbersome. Um, And it's just frustrating. And it's one of those things I hate, 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 hate computer problems, as I'm sure everybody else does. Uh, it's just frustrating. And, and you guys, you know, the show means enough to me that I want to do it right. I want it to be working properly. And so that's just one of those things that I'm having a real issue with right now. Okay, so uh, we are covering the second part of the, um, uh, the Absorbing Man story from Thor Volume 2. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, and this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 27. This issue has a cover date of September of 2000, retailed for $2.25, 350 in Canada. Cover art is by, looks like, uh, it's, well, it's definitely inked by Claus Johnson, I believe it's Eric Larson, and it shows Thor and the Absorbing Man fighting. This, of course, being the part two, 
of the two-parter. They're standing on top of a building, tall building, and the Absorbing Man is smashing Thor's hammer with his ball and chain. He's got the big toothy 90s-looking face going, grr, and Thor looks almost pleased that he's being hit with this uh, ball and chain, and he's got a, a determined smile on his face. And it is a very dynamic cover, um, though, you know, playing fast and loose with the... Uh, the the anatomy which is typical of the sort of 90s and early 2000s comics uh, we open up to the splash page where we actually have the title of the story it is called the forsaken dan jurgens was the writer eric larson did the breakdowns claus johnson did the finishes gregory wright did the colors Tom Brevoort was the editor, R.C. and Comic Crafts, Wes Abbott was the letterer, and Bob Harris was the camp supervisor, according to the, uh, the caption anyway. And the splash page shows the absorbing man. He's whipping his ball and chain around over his head. He has changed into metal, and there are people shooting at him, which, uh, you know, obviously they're intending to uh, kill uh, Dr. Foster, who is on his shoulder. So, yeah, any one of these bullets can be ricocheting into the doctor at any moment. And uh, they should know better than that. But, of course, they don't kill her, and otherwise there would be a lot of Thor comics that we don't have now. Um, all right, so the Absorbing Man says, You want to fight? Well, you come to the right place, chumps, because nobody beats the Absorbing Man. Nobody. And he uh, is, is kind of taunting the police, and um, they're shooting at him, and the police are saying, Better call in the SWAT team, Detective Collins. SWAT team? Call the blamed Avengers if you want. I'll still wipe up the floor with you. And there's a, a police detective here. I think that's supposed to be Demetrius, but it, it's hard to tell from the picture. Hold your fire. Creel has a civilian. You got that right. Couldn't care if the broad lived or died, but she's a doctor. And just so happens, I got some doctoring for her to do. And he takes his ball and chain and he smashes his way through the police cars and he overturns the police car with a bram, and the police goes scattering, which, of course, gives them an opening to, uh, to escape. And the absorbing man says, Come on, toots, I'm making this place yesterday's news. And he goes running off, and he finds a manhole, and he rips the cover up. He just tosses it aside, and uh, he's getting ready to jump down in the sewer. Please, Mr. Creel... This is no way to solve whatever problem you have. If you require medical care, there are better ways to get it. Oh, yeah? We already tried that, toots. And your stuffed shirt colleagues booted us out of the hospital because we don't got insurance. That doesn't give you the right to kidnap me or hurt others. Says who? Might makes right, Doc. Ain't nothing given to no one in this world. You gotta take what you want. So's I taking you to fix up my little lady... And the Absorbing Man is uh, dragging uh, Jane Foster through the sewer over his shoulder. And he's got these huge paddle-like ears that we saw last time. It's just so weird looking. Anyway, um, and Jane is thinking to herself, No use fighting him. Have to go along for now until help arrives. But after what he did to my husband... It won't be easy. That, of course, is a reference to last issue where uh, he smacked uh, Keith Kincaid right in the kisser with his ball and chain. Uh, and we don't know what his face is going to look like uh, after. Uh, we shift scenes to an alleyway where we have Jake Olson and Christine, Demetrius's sister, who is now uh, Olson's new partner. 
Jake has been unconscious and he wakes up and Christine's saying, Jake, you can hear me? And Jake is like, oh, barely. My head feels like a bowl is using it for dance floor. Christine, what happened? It wasn't a bow who did you. It was the absorbing man. He carried Jane Foster away after he tore up the emergency room. So he, yeah, he remembers. Apparently so. The police met him cornered a few blocks from here, but he did a real number on them and walked. And he still has Jane? Yeah. Word is they disappeared into the sewer. Talk about gross. I'll go check on the officers who fought him. You go to the hospital and see if they need help. You're the boss, says Christine, and Jake goes running off. And he goes on running off into an alleyway, which has a poster showing um, Orion from the New Gods. <laughs> Not so subtly drawn in there. Um, anyway, so he uh, wanders in there, and he's uh, thinking to himself, Verily, the mortal who calleth himself the Absorbing Man stands among the most lethal of scourges. Let not it be the fist of Jake Olson which taketh off arms. And he does his fist thing, and he slams his fist on the ground. We get a giant facash, and we get a scene here of uh, Jake Olson changing, which is actually very reminiscent of Thor's very first appearance back in Journey into Mystery 82. Uh, it's sort of the weird sort of Kirby Crackle done sort of in the weird, you know, Claus Johnson sort of style. And during while this is transforming, he's going on talking. Far better it be the sinewy shoulders of a warrior born, son to all Asgard, and wielder of the most fabled of weapons, the wondrous mallet Mjolnir. And we get a full page of Thor with his gritted teeth and his thigh bigger than his head, and his calf bigger than his thigh, so uh, very strange. Um, and he's leaping forward, and he says, Stand back, ye mortals, for this be not the business of thy kind, but that of the god of thunder. Thor! And he goes running out of the alleyway, and he comes, and again, he's, he's doing the sort of weird shade the changing man thing with his, uh, his forearm being about twice the size of his head. And it's not foreshortening, folks. I mean, I know, I know that comics does some weird stuff with, with perspective. This is just very, very sloppily drawn. We'll talk about that more at the end. And uh, Christine has come looking for Jake, and she sees Thor coming out of the alleyway, and she's like, By the way, Jake, I forgot to... Whoa! I've never seen an honest-to-God Avenger before. I bid thee stand back, my lady, for wherever the absorbing man lurks, impending danger is ever present. Pray tell, pray thee tell, constable, hath thy comrades yet apprehended the scoundrel? And he's talking to a, um, a policewoman, and she's like, Afraid not, Avenger. Far as we know, he's still in the sewers. Um, by any chance, could I get an autograph for my kid? Nay, officer, if the absorbing man doth tread the watery labyrinth below, tis there the god of thunder must journey without delay. And instead of going down through the manhole, Thor takes his hammer, shoots an energy beam, and creates a giant hole in the road with a chakakt, which, of course, is always a very good idea. Because, you know, big holes in the road, they never cause anyone any kind of inconvenience. Shield thine eyes, lest they be struck by the rubble created by the awe-inspiring power of Mjolnir. And he goes jumping down this enormous hole that he created into the sewer with a splash. 
And Thor is flying through the uh, the sewers, not swimming, but flying. And um, he's talking this whole time. The Absorbing Man, so named for his stunning ability to take on the physical traits of whatever object he toucheth. Long hath he plagued those who stand on the side of justice, though he hath irritated me aplenty. Never before hath my ire been so raised, for this time he threatens Jane Foster, she whom Thor doth proudly call friend and ally. And he comes to a, a big, um, a, like a junction, and there's a bunch of tunnels moving off from this giant tunnel here. And he's like, by the bristling beard of Odin, the tunnels are so plentiful there is no way of knowing which conceals the absorbing man. Alas, yon trail hath gone cold. Though you cannot hear me, I beg thee, fear not, my lady Jane, thou shalt be found. So swears the god of thunder, so swears Thor. And he uh, lands in the middle of this sort of junction area. And we shift scenes to uh, the absorbing man who has made his way through the sewer, uh, coming up to the, uh, the abandoned building where he is, uh, is currently living. And uh, he apparently knows the sewers really well, but, you know, I guess he's a supervillain, so they would. Ah, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. As you can see, Doc, we rolled out the red carpet for you. Look, you're going about this the wrong way. I can't possibly treat a patient without proper facilities. Sure you can, Doc. All you gotta do is tell me what you need and I'll get it for you. You'd steal medical supplies? Nah, I'd just pull up in a limo and drop a big old bag of cash for him. Of course I'll steal him. Like I said, a man does what he's got to survive. And then talking to his wife, of course, he's like, You home, baby? I finally brought you help. And Jane is, is aghast at this, uh, uh, you know, this room. It's full of rats and graffiti. And yeah, just, it's kind of this whole building is a wreck. And she sees uh, Titania laying there, and she gets a look on her face. Oh, my. And uh, the absorbing man puts her down. He's changed back to uh, human form at this point. And uh, Jane goes rushing up to her, and um, Jane is like, uh, like, oh, and is going to go run to help. And he's like, her name is Mary. You got to fix her up, Doc, before that cancer tears her apart. I don't need an examination to tell me this woman belongs in a hospital. I already told you, we got no insurance. Sides, the minute I show up, them blasted Avengers will haul me off to the joint. You'd rather have her die? That happens, and you die too, Doc. Oh, I'll see what I can do. And she's thinking, uh, all the while hoping help arrives to save us both. And yeah, Titania does not look good at all, and she's laying in a dirty mattress in this uh, just incredibly squalid apartment. Like I said, there's rats and graffiti and uh, probably all sorts of uh, vermin crawling around. And we shift scenes again, and we are at Avengers Mansion. You can tell that because Iron Man is there, and there's also a big A on the gate above the, the door. Um, artwork very uneven at this, and we'll, we'll talk about the art kind of at the end. And uh, Iron Man is, is making something, some kind of gizmo for Thor, and he's in full armor, which seems that would, that would be not the right outfit to make uh, a gizmo, but okay. Almost done, Thor. I bid thee hasten, Iron Man, for time grows short. Don't ruffle your feathers, Thor. Almost done. 
and he, he hands him a um, looks like a uh, pocket calculator with some weird antenna sort of thing on it, uh, kind of Kirby esque. Here, this is now calibrated to target a pager. Punch in the number of whoever you're looking for, and this baby will trace the signal and lead you right to him. Let the gratitude of Almighty Odin and all Asgard reign upon thee forever, Iron Man, for thou hast surely saved a life this day. Yeah, so obviously the Iron Man thinks that the Guardian has a pager, and he says, Sure, anything for the eternal realm. Care to tell me what exactly you need it for? And Thor doesn't answer. He just goes running off, and uh, Iron Man follows him outside, but Thor's already taken off, and um, he shouts down, Another time, Avenger. Whilst innocent lives stand imperiled, Thor would dally no longer. Do you need a hand? And by that point, Thor is gone. And Iron Man is like, Oh, guess not. Seems the business of gods doesn't leave much room for mere mortals. And uh, Thor is flying, uh, carrying the gizmo, and types in the number with a beep, 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 boop. Tis fortunate the hospital staff did stink of Jane's pager and pass on her number. Tis like under wizardry itself. Even now, yon digital screen doth transmit an address where the absorbing man holds Jane Foster, and there shall come the reckoning. And we shift back to where uh, Jane is being held, and uh, she's trying to reason with the absorbing man, and she says, I've done all I can. Here's a list of simple supplies you can find at any drugstore. This better not be some kind of trick to get rid of me. Take this so you don't have to steal. And she, she tries to hand him money, and he's like, What's it to you if I do? Let's just say I don't want you running into any more trouble. Fine by me, and let's just say I don't want you running off. And he tears a um, big piece of metal, uh, like a, a metal beam or something out of the wall with a wrench, and uh, he ties... Ties it around Jane's ankle so that she cannot get away. So she's got like this big heavy hunk of metal connected to the wall so she can't get out. And she's like, that'll hold you. Back in a flash, Doc. And there's a sort of um, a brooming noise uh, coming out as the absorbing man is getting ready to leave. And Jane is thinking, that noise, my pager, who would page me at a time like this? And, yeah, so it's obviously she's got her pager on vibrate. And um, we shift to Thor, and he's uh, closing in, and he says this out loud, Hold fast, milady. Thanks to the wondrous power of mighty Mjolnir, the god of thunder shall be there anon. Absorbing man steps outside the building, and he's dragging his ball and chain behind him. And he's saying out loud, Suppose I ought to take the sewers to avoid being spotted. And he should have thought of that before he <laughs> walked out of the building because he's spotted by Thor. Thor has this really weird, impossible facial expression on his face, very 90s uh, sort of thing. And he's like, uh, Heimdall's eyes, yon misshapen figure below could only be Crusher Creel, the absorbing man. And he goes to land next to him and, and Creel's like, what the? And we get a full page here. Thor belting Crusher Creel across the face. Uh, Creel has thought fast enough and has changed to looks like uh, concrete or cement or something. And Thor goes whacking him with a smacked with Mjolnir. And he says, Craven villain, have at thee. So long as thou dost threaten one whom Thor calls friend, thou art undeserving of mercy. 
by the bastions of the Rome Eternal, defend thyself! And he knocks the absorbing man back. He uh, falls down, and he's like, If nothing else, you're arrogant, Thor. I'll give you that, but that ain't all I'm gonna give you. Wait till you see till the mess my ball and chain makes of your face. And he uh, tries to smack Thor with the ball and chain. He's changed into something different. Uh, judging from the color, it looks like he's changed to sandstone, which was probably not a good choice. <laughs> but anyway, um, he, uh, uh, Thor is e able to easily deflect the ball and chain using Mjolnir. And he says, uh, Nay, for the mallet of Thor is more than capable of resisting thy weapon. And he punches the Absorbing Man, and he goes flying. Very Kirby-esque panel here of uh, the Absorbing Man flying towards the reader, face up. And um, it's a, the sound effect is Spock. And uh, Thor says, Even more, the fists of the Thunder God are as mighty as any weapon thou couldst find. And he smashes the Absorbing Man into the building, and this is the same building where uh, Jane and Titania are inside. But of course, because this building is, uh, you know, condemned and desert, you know, kind of falling down, um, that the front of the building is now uh, compromised. And um, Jane is inside, and she's like, "What on earth was that? Almost felt like an airliner crashed into the building." Uh, the absorbing man has picked up this, like, a big part of the facing of the building, and he's he's getting ready to uh, smash Thor with it, and he says. I ain't got time for this, Thor. Not while my wife is dying, I don't. And Thor's like, didst thou say? Don't be acting like you care, says the absorbing man, because you don't. Now shut your trap and get out of my way. And he takes the uh, giant brick facing and he smashes Thor with it with a smack, knocks Thor down, and uh, Thor's not really hurt. He just gets up and he breaks the bricks apart and he gets up and he says, a noble effort, Creel. But even shouldst thou expend every last bit of thine energy, t'will still avail thee not. For so long as I wield mighty Mjolnir, thou art little more than a nuisance. Speakest now, Creel, divulge the whereabouts of Jane Foster. And he smacks Creel back with, uh, with Mjolnir. It's kind of shooting the ray, ray beam out of Mjolnir like he did earlier. And it's uh, hitting him with a cram, realizing, of course, that he shouldn't let uh, Crusher Creel touch his, his hammer, because uh, that, that has never done any good. Huh, as he says as he's being uh, pushed back. You ain't getting a back, Goldilocks. Thou wouldst play games while innocent lives hang in the balance? Then let the enchanted mallet of Thor loosen thy tongue. And he smashes him back again into the building, which, of course, is already uh, compromised. So see the building is shaking and it looks like the uh, room is kind of falling apart around uh, Jane and Titania. And uh, Jane cries out, Thor, is that you? You've got to stop. You're destroying the building. And the absorbing man, who inexplicably has changed back to uh, his human form, he says, yeah, blasted idiot. Keep this up and she won't be able to save Mary. And if my wife dies, it's your fault. Thor is out in the street and he sees the building is kind of shaking and crumbling. And he's like, yon abandoned building. Art thou saying? Chain Foster is within its crumbling walls? Crumbling? Mary! And so uh, the absorbing man sees the uh, like crumbling metal beam and he runs up to it and he grabs it. And he changes to metal and he's trying to hold the building up um, and trying to let the building not collapse. And he says, don't worry, baby. I ain't going to let this cave in on you. I swear I ain't. 
Thor, of course, because he has to comment on everything, says, Like unto a hero born, the absorbing man doth suddenly endeavor to act with honor. Still, strong as he might be, even he can't support this decrepit edifice. Tis the godly strength of Thor that is called for now. Thus must the son of Odin answer that call, as he forever must, when innocent life doth stand imperiled. And Thor kind of reaches up, and he's trying to steady the building by holding up the, uh, the floor. But uh, it's not really, uh, nothing much is happening, uh, because the building is already in the process of collapsing. He says that the caption, Mighty as the Odin sun might be, however, his effort is one spent too late. This long-abandoned tenement already slated for demolition, with numerous fractures at every key point of support, is incapable of standing any longer, no matter who might think otherwise. And the building, indeed, crumbles in on itself and collapses, and there's, we just got a big pile of rubble here, and uh, the absorbing man is the first to rise up, and he's like, Mary! Oh, cripes! This can't be! Thor is the next to, to rise up. He's punching his way out uh, using Mjolnir, and he says, Absorbing man, didst thou manage to save them? And Creel sees Thor, he's like, You! This is all your fault! By the unbridled wrath of the Sovereign Supreme, art thou saying Jane Foster hath perished? And a voice comes from behind, Not yet! And... um. The absorbing man and Thor whip around, and they see the Titania is um, is actually up, and she's keeping a big chunk of the fallen building from from crushing both her and and Jane Foster, and she's saying, "Crush, honey," and Jane is like, "Hurry, Thor! Titania's strong, all right, but as sick as she is, there's no way she can keep this up." Then the sinewy arms of Thor shall shield thee from further harm. And Thor grabs the uh, fallen wall that uh, is uh, hanging over the two of them. And he throws it aside so they don't get crushed. The uh, Titania falls and, and Jane is kind of trying to hold her up. And the absorbing man runs, runs forward. He's like, Mary, if not for her, we'd never have made it, says Jane. And now look at her. You were supposed to save Mary, and now she's worse off than ever. Still thine insulting tongue, Creel, says Thor, or prepare to suffer my righteous wrath. The radiation treatments that augmented her cellular structure, giving her superhuman strength, must have caused this cancer. It spread too far. Without hospitalization, she has no chance. I told you, that ain't possible. I say thee enough, says Thor, and he grabs uh, Creel's arm, because uh, it looks like he's getting ready to, uh, to clobber Jane with it. And uh, Thor says, Methinks the time for reason hath come, absorbing man. Heed the advice of thy wife's physician. It's your choice, Creel. Get her the treatment she needs, or... And he's, he looks at her, his wife, and he's like, No, ain't no choice at all. And he decides to uh, hand her over to Thor, hands her to Thor to carry off to the hospital, and he says, Here, can you get her to the hospital quick-like? Like unto lightning itself. But what of thee? Wilt thou flee? Nah, Mary's about the only good thing I got going for me, and I ain't about to let it end like this. And Thor goes flying off with Titania in his arms, leaving Jane Foster here behind with the absorbing man, and that, you know, that's going to go well. And we have a next-issue blurb, Next, the Wrecking Crew. 
And that is Thor, Volume 2, Number 27. And we'll have a, a few comments about that after this message. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series, we have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. Why do you always have to say it that way? Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? And of course, we have a few comments as we always do. Now, the story is nothing special. This is a very typical Hero chases the villain, finds the villain, there's a big fight, and that really is the whole issue. The only thing that makes this a little bit different is the motivation of Crusher Creel. It's nice when they get into the motivations of villains. It makes them more three-dimensional. It makes them more uh, sympathetic to the audience. And I think that this is what is being done well here in this story. This is Dan Jurgens' hook. We want to make a character like Crusher Creel to, to be more sympathetic to the audience, to, to make his character a little bit more three-dimensional. Here's the, 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 the trick of this, is that Crusher Creel's not a three-dimensional character. He's a very basic person. He's a very basic motivation. He's got no you know depth to his character whatsoever. He's kind of your straight-up bad guy who just wants what's right for him, and in this case for, for Titania as well. And... You know, his motivations are far from noble. He's just me, me, me. And it doesn't matter who gets hurt. And this having this motivation of protecting Mary, of getting her medical help, of keeping her from dying, is something that I don't think we've ever seen from this character before. So in that regard, I find it very interesting. On the other hand, the story is nothing special. It's a knockdown drag out for most of the issue. And there's not a lot of there there. All the drama comes from the fact that we have, you know, Jane Foster who's trying to save Titania, who's clearly not doing well. And there's that element of danger for, for Jane that, you know, we don't have. Obviously, we know that Jane is going to survive all this because she's going to get cancer later. And so, um, you know, there'd be a lot of Thor comics that don't happen as a result of her dying in this issue. So, you know, we know after the fact that, that she's not going to die. Art-wise now is a little more complicated. So we have Eric Larson, who has taken over, I think, as the regular penciler on the issue. He's trying to, to ape J.R. Jr.'s style. That's kind of the style that this book was built on. And we have Johnson, Claus Johnson, inking, as he has in the previous issues. And he's kind of trying to keep the look consistent. This this idea here with the Eric Larson just doing the the basic layouts and having Johnson ink them doesn't work well for me. And the reason why is because it's clear that uh, a lot of it was just very hurriedly drawn. A lot of, of the uh, anatomy is just crazily off, um, very extreme 90s. Now, obviously, Eric Larson... Savage Dragon, he is an extreme 90s type of artist. And I think he's still kind of backing away from that at this point. He hasn't become a better storyteller than he was in the 90s at this point. I think think if you look at his work now, it's going to be a little bit better. But uh, at this point, it's still looking pretty rough. 
Um, and by, you know, so the art-wise, eh, doesn't really work for me. All right, and it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>